On Monday, July 22nd, 2013, something happened in this world. A little baby boy was born. Not just any little baby boy. Well, this little baby boy was born in St. Mary's Hospital in London. It's a special little baby boy. Eight pounds, six ounces. This baby boy was Prince George of Cambridge, the firstborn child of Prince William of Cambridge and Princess Kate of Cambridge. He's the second in line to succeed his paternal grandfather, King George III. So this little boy, George, I said King George, it's King Charles III. When young George was born, the customary formal bulletin announcing the royal birth was displayed on an easel outside of Buckingham Palace. Although... In a break with tradition, I think for the first time, the news was first conveyed in a press release from palace officials. Guns, gun salutes signal the birth in the various capitals of the British Commonwealth, Bermuda, the United Kingdom, New Zealand, and Canada. The bells of Westminster Abbey and many other churches began to ring out. Iconic landmarks all over over the British Commonwealth realms were illuminated in various colors with the most predominant color being that baby blue, signifying the birth of a boy. Now around this same time, there was something known as the Prince George effect. The Prince George effect. It was known also as the royal baby effect. I'll let you guess as to what the royal baby effect was. It was the trend and the impact that the news about Prince George had in business and popular culture. For instance, clothing and certain products that were identified as being used by Baby Prince George, these particular clothing items and other items began to sell much better than they had before. The effect was noted during little baby Prince George's April 2014 tour. Now remember, he was only nine months old, but he went on a tour of New Zealand and Australia Many businesses at the time attempted to use this effect in those two countries in particular for their own advantage. And this is interesting to me. That in 2015, the baby boy, <laughs> Prince George, was ranked number 49 in GQ magazine's 50th best-dressed men in Britain. Now remember, he ain't a man yet. He's a baby. But he was number 49. In 2016, he was spotted. Someone took a picture of him wearing a particular bathrobe. It was rumored what the brand of the bathrobe was. And so that exact brand became instantaneously so popular that that bathrobe sold out and they had a back order on the toddler bathrobe because 
Prince George had it on. It's interesting that every single day in our world, according to the World Health Organization, there are uh, roughly on average 385,000 babies (laughs) born every single day in the world. And yet that one baby boy, that one birth on that day stood out above the others. So we come to our text this morning. This text here in Genesis 21, it it highlights the significant birth of someone promised to aged parents by God himself. His name was Isaac. And his birth actually began the Jewish race and would serve as a precursor for the birth of the Messiah who would ultimately redeem the world. So I want you to look with me this morning. Our our message is entitled, A Promise Made is a Promise Kept. Genesis chapter 21, verse 1, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. I, I need you to circle that in your Bible. And the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For she conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him Isaac. If you know anything about the name Isaac, it means laughter. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac being eight days old as God had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. (laughs) And Sarah said, God has made me to laugh so that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given children suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. And the child grew and was weaned. And Abram, Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. If I had one truth and a one-sentence sermon to give you today, it would be this simple statement. And I want you just to lean in and lock in for just a moment. God always keeps his promises. God always keeps his promises. I love what one writer said, referring to chapter 21, verse 1. It said, the great suspense that had begun all the way back in chapter 12 had now ended. We're not for sure the exact location where Isaac was born. Some say it was in Gerar. Some say it was Beersheba. That's not clear, but the location of his birth dear one, is not nearly as important as the fact of his birth, that God had issued a promise to Abraham and Sarah. And now, 25 years after the promise was made, even though they thought, they doubted that they would ever see it, God brought it to pass. So I'd like to give you today, I would like for us to learn three eternal truths 
from this text real quick. I want you to lean in and listen very carefully. Truth number one, if God says it, it's as good as done. 25 years earlier, God had told this man that was childless. He had told this wife that was childless that they were going to be parents of not just a multitude, but they would have so many children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren that they would be unable to count them. He said, Abraham, look up. Look at all the stars. See if you can count all the stars that your naked eye can see. Of course, that's an impossible task. And the Lord wasn't trying to give him an impossible task. The Lord was trying to teach him and reaffirm this promise that he made to him. But he was going to have more children than he could have even began to imagine. Those coming out from his generation... He would be called the father of the Jewish race, the father of the faithful. And those who not only would follow Jehovah God and Israel's God would identify with Abraham, but now you and I, ladies and gentlemen, in Christ Jesus, we now, because Christ came in that same lineage from Abraham. Now you and I who are children of the Most High God, we've been born again. We too identify with Abraham. And truly, his life has impacted the entire world. Verse 1, I love what it said. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said We have to go back to Genesis 17 to see when God made the specific promise to Abraham and to Sarah. Would you turn there? Would you go back just a couple of pages to Genesis 17 in your Bible? Verse 15, and God said to Abraham, now notice this, if you're there, notice this, as for Sarai, thy wife, spelled a little different, S-A-R-A-I. That name, Sarai, as we would pronounce it, literally means my lady or my princess, okay? God said, no longer shall she be called Sarai, but Sarah. What's the difference? It's one letter, one letter in the English from an I to an H, but it's significant in the Hebrew language. Sarai means my princess. Sarah Sarah means not just princess, but here he is, the princess of a multitude. You see the difference? The princess of a multitude. She's not just going to be, she's not just going to be your princess, Abraham. She's going to be a princess. She's not going to be a childless princess. She's going to have a multitude of children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And here's the Lord issuing this promise, and I will bless her, verse 16. I'll give her a son. I'll bless her. She'll be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed (laughs) and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? (laughs) And shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear or bear a child? 
Verse 19, and God said, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed. Thou shalt call his name Isaac, laughter, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. The Lord issued this promise and he visited her. I love the word he visited her. It literally carries the idea, the Hebrew word used here in the Old Testament has two meanings. One is the Lord's coming to judge, and that's not what he did here. But the other meaning is his coming, here it is, watch this, to bless somebody, to help somebody, to do for somebody what they couldn't do without God's help. It literally implies here, and I love this, that God came and left a son with Abraham and Sarah. As in God leaving them with a gift. (laughs) It's kind of like when you were a child and you remember on Christmas morning, uh, you may or may not, but you got up and ran in the living room or the den or wherever presents were left, okay, And somebody, somebody, for typically a lot of us in here, somebody had been there the night before. Not going to mention names, but somebody had been there the night before and left some presents for you. They came and visited your house. Whether it be your parents or the big cheese, they came and visited your house and left something there. That's the idea, if we can understand it. Here's God, and God's not the cosmic Santa Claus. That's not what I'm saying. But the Lord showed up. And when God showed up, he did for them something that only he could do. He left them a gift. To me, uh, I I want you to do something for me. When I read this and I think about gift and and how people, people, Isaac was their gift. What was the gift? Was the gift more money? No. Was the gift land? No. The gift wasn't some type of tangible, uh, inanimate material possession. Uh, No, no, no. The gift was a child. The gift was a human. And just, just as a point, to take away from this, I want everybody to do something for me. For those of you still listening, still awake, I want you to take just a moment, seriously, intentionally, look around, look around you right now at the people that you're sitting right near, right, right next to. Specifically, if they're your family, right? Look at your family. All right. You're like, how long do I have to look at them, brother? But <laughs> Do you realize, dear one, that these who are seated right next to you, whether they be children or spouse, parents, grandchildren, even grandparents, or in-laws, <laughs> do we realize that these all are gifts from God in our lives? You see, the word visited also means to experience divine intervention in order for God to accomplish his will It means that she needed God to do something for her that she couldn't do for herself. Thomas Halls said that God worked when all human prospects had come to an end. I want to ask you a question this morning. What is it in your life today that you know you have to have the help of God with that if God doesn't do it, 
It's not going to get done. It's not going to happen. It's interesting. It says, and the Lord, the Lord visited Sarah, just as he said. The word Lord is the word Yahweh. It literally means the God who keeps his covenant promise. Not just God, but it's the God who keeps his promise. Joshua 21, verse 43 through 45, listen to what the word of the Lord says. And the Lord gave unto Israel all the land which he sware to give unto their fathers. He did what he told them he would do. And they possessed it. They dwelt there. And the Lord gave them rest round about. Here it is. According to all that he sware, he promised unto their fathers. And there stood not a man of all their enemies before them. And the Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. Notice this. There failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. It all came to pass. Everything he promised, he did. In other words, God performed everything that he said he would do. So hear the word of the Lord this morning for you and for me. What promises of God are especially dear to your hearts today, right now? What promise of God do you need to hang on to as one of his children? Is it the promise that he can and will meet every need we have? From Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Is it the promise that he never will leave us or forsake us? In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. For some, it's the promise that he hears and answers prayer. Psalm 34, 15, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. His ears are open to their cry. For some, dear ones, this morning, the promise you need is the promise that he will guide your steps. Because in Proverbs 3, verse 6, it says, he shall direct your paths. In John 16, 13, howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, shall come, he shall guide you into all truth. Some this morning need to be reminded of God's promise that our service for him, that you render to him in ministry, is not in vain. That's why he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Maybe for some this morning it's the promise that he will save anyone who comes to him. John chapter 6, verse 37, him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Maybe it's the promise that he's coming back to get us. Because he says in John 14, verses 2 and 3, I love this. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And for some this morning, you need the promise that we will be with him forever. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, he promises us, we are confident, Paul said, and willing rather to be absent from the body and instantaneously to be present with the Lord. You see, gang, God keeps his promises. And when he makes a promise, it's as good as done. 
some years ago in one of our FCA homecoming events. There was a young man who was in the homecoming court. The games were about to end, and he was standing there dressed in his suit, tie, slicked up. Earlier that day, his little baby brother was born. He was standing there. There were some adults that were helping with homecoming. They were standing there with him. And he made the remark to those adults standing there, well, I'm not sure my dad will be able to make it. My little baby brother was born today. He's probably not going to be able to come. And one of the workers heard what he said and went over to him and said, buddy, let me ask you a question. Has your daddy ever missed anything you were a part of? Well, no, ma'am. Has your daddy ever missed a ball game you were a part of? No, ma'am. Has your daddy ever missed anything that was special to you that you've been a part of? No, ma'am. Did your daddy tell you that he was going to be here? Yes, ma'am. Then if your daddy made you a promise, I know your daddy. Your daddy's going to be here. A few minutes passed by and the ball game was over. Now it was time to go out on the floor. The lights were all turned off. The spotlights turned on on the court. And just before the young man and whoever his female escort was, just before they walked out in the back doors of the gym, guess who walked in? His daddy. I want to tell you this morning, that resonates with us, doesn't it? We understand that. We understand that if we tell our children something and we're serious about it, we would move heaven and earth to make it happen. And you would recognize that sometimes we can't perform it because of something out of our hands. And I want to remind you today that our Heavenly Father... (laughs) Has he ever issued you a promise that he ever went back on? Has he ever told you something that he would do that he hadn't done? You say, well, preacher, you know, there are some strong circumstances. Sometimes I'm just not sure. I want to remind you that he's the God who holds all the circumstances in his hands. And he is the God who can move heaven and earth. And if he issues you a promise from this book, it's as good as done. I heard this old saying years ago, and I've used it. I probably don't need to use it a whole lot, but I've used it. And I tell my boys, son, if I tell you a rooster dip snuff, you can look under his wing for the can. Gang, if your father gives you a promise, I don't know when, 
I don't know how. But I know he's going to fulfill it. In his time, in his way, that he sees fit. 